is I had an entire 20-minute podcast, okay? I had an episode ready to rock, and now it's telling me it can't load. There's not even, like, a good reason. Like, I didn't even spill water on my computer. It's just not here, which is super rude considering the subject matter of these episodes is about death and disappearing of loved ones, so I find this very rude and too soon to not be able to find something that once was there. Thanks a lot, you dumb fucking MacBook Pro. You're not a professional. You're a MacBook amateur. So we start again. My therapist refers to my grieving, my current grieving phase as phase two. Don't ask me how many phases there are. I don't know the answer. If it's more than five, that's uh, too many. I guess phase one was, you know, Mayday, mayday, man down. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> and phase two is my current status, where the expiration date is drawing near to people um, feeling like they need to check in on me constantly, or like the trend, I'm putting trendy in quotes, you can't see it, but I'm putting trendy in quotes, like the trendiness of me grieving is coming to an end. Like, at some point soon, it's not gonna be, like, socially cute for me to be <laughs> as grievy. Grievy? Grievy, baby. Right now, it's I, I post things on Instagram. I'll, like, post myself crying and, like, all the little things that I'm going through. And, like, people are kind and warm and lovely, and I'm not saying anybody's being anything other than that to me. But at some point soon, people are going to start thinking whether they like to or not, like, you know, is this what I'm going to deal with the rest of my life? Like, is she going to always be sad or always bring up Alan or always talk about, you know, what's going on with her in terms of her sad levels? The answer is yes. This is never going to go away. But phase two is me sort of being able to do things, moving through the grief in a way that is productive. It's less shock and fog and sitting on my butt, <laughs> she says on her couch, and more, you know, making meaning and like writing a book about my feelings or doing things he liked to do. And there's more of the smile and less of the cry. I mean, there's still the cry, but like it's sort of shifting. And people aren't going to... Uh, check up on me as much and their first instinct won't be to ask how I am about Alan it'll just be like how are other things like people are already starting to be like you know how's this boy that you're seeing or how's work or your new apartment not like how are you doing which like could also be that they'd rather not bring that up in the first five seconds of talking to me which I very much appreciate but there's also like there are other things going on in my life Alan is not like the forefront of anyone's brain as time goes by that's just going to naturally be what happens. Which is not to say that I'm upset about that. It's just a new phase. And for me, what is tricky about that is that it comes with all these extra emotions, mainly guilt, which, hello, if you've met me in any capacity, I operate first and foremost always from a position of guilt. I have felt guilty <laughs> for everything since I was a child. We can do a deep dive about it later. I know where it comes from, but it is very much the way in which I operate. And guilt is 
at the forefront of me just as a human being. And now on top of it, there's a man who can't live that I was very much attached to has nothing to do with myself being alive. Obviously I do know that, but I do feel incredibly guilty that I get to be on this planet and he doesn't, even though as far as I know, because I don't know, nobody knows he could be in a goddamn paradise that I could, I have no idea how wonderful and magical it is. And here I am being like, wow, this sucks that he's not alive. And he's fucking particles of sunlight and love just floating in the, you know, I don't even, can't even tell you words. That's how wonderful, magical and wonderful and magical it is. And I'm over here feeling guilty for no reason, but (laughs) that's neither here nor there. I feel guilty that I get to live and he's not here. I also feel guilty if I think about anything other than him. Um, which like, obviously I have to, but it's getting easier sometimes to go long periods of time without thinking about him or thinking about him in a way that does not make me devastated and to do things like go on dates or sit alone in my new apartment, have a night with friends and have a work day. And my, my day to day is coming back to normal in a way that feels pretty similar to how it felt when I was with him. It's just this big glaring, obvious, gaping, devastating, traumatic hole. (laughs) But phase two is like, well, she's doing okay. She's healthy. She's you know, working through it. She's got friends. She has family. She's dating. She's smiling. And that is all very true. I'm also very, very, very fucking sad that this person is not here anymore. It's like such a sadness that it's not just your regular, like, sometimes I cry because I do. I mean, last night just cranked up Billy Joel and just wept on this couch looking around at my apartment that he's never going to see. An apartment that I would never have set foot in had he been alive. And just like when you really sit for a second and take stock of what has happened to you in the past year and a half and where you are. I mean, there's a lot of accomplishment in that. I can look at my life and feel really proud of the person that I am. I can also be really devastated that he doesn't get to be here with me. So that's still very true. And the sadness is like in my bones, in my DNA, in my, I mean, it's not in any of those places, but it's like so deep inside that it it will just now live in me. And at some point, it's not cute to show that all the time, you know? At some point, whether or not my friends and family who love me so very much, at some point, one of them is going to think to themselves, can we just not talk about Alan today? I think it to my own self. My split-ass personality, one part of me is like, can can I just have a day where I'm Janine and my brain isn't constantly like a freaking hamster on a wheel spinning through all the millions of thoughts that I have about death and dying and Alan and his family and him and me and all of our memories and nostalgia and grieving and widows and all these things swirling around like a goddamn, you know, word cloud. For a second, can I just be Janine? So I get it. I'm exhausting. I exhaust myself. I hope to God I don't exhaust anybody else. But one day I might. And one day someone may think it, even if they never say it to me. And that's okay. That's life. 
but phase two is sort of moving through into like the perimeter and the the sector of that of that part as opposed to like of course Janine can talk about Alan oh my god girl let's sit down and just talk about Alan just cry I'll cry with you let's go to dinner let's get drinks like you just lay lay into me that phase we're kind of we're slowly coming out of that and here's where it gets annoying to me because I think I wasted phase one I don't know that I sat down and cried with enough people I don't know that I said his name enough times or not the word take advantage feels negative but I mean like I sprung back to action I took two weeks to watch every episode of Modern Family that ever was aired and then I went back to work and I went to therapy and I moved in with some friends and I got back into my social circle and I was moving and grooving like I didn't I didn't wallow. I mean, I got sad, but I wasn't, you know, totally like prone on my back waiting as people would bring things to me, bring things to me, help me get me out of this pit. I'm glad that I didn't do that because in the long run, it is better for me as a human being to now have that behind me and be able to know that I can move through what literally whatever you're going to throw at me. But also... Did I move too quickly through it? Because now that I'm in phase two and we're not in the fog and the shock, maybe sometimes I just want to lie on the couch and have people come bring me things and while I cry with them. And like, can that still be what we do? Even if it's not every day, because like who would want to? But I don't want to be someone in phase two that doesn't get anything from phase one. Because phase one is something I'm... Other than I don't want the shock and the fog because I hated that. But like, I wouldn't mind just a little bit of care. Like, I said to my therapist, I'm afraid people are going to stop reaching out to me. And then I'm going to have to be the one to be like, please help. And I don't like doing that. I don't like doing it. I don't want to ask for anything. But I want to like want to be asked, you know. <laughs> and my therapist was like, well, you need to like, be proactive and tell people that you're still really grieving and you're still really in pain and you need people to reach out to you, which like, ugh, don't want to be needy. But it's true. It's, it's a part of me that I need to understand that like, there's no shame in being like, I'm having a really bad day. Would you mind coming over and like being with me? Or I don't know. I just don't want phase. I don't want to be in a phase where people aren't still aware that this is going on but at the same time I'm really happy with the person that I've become and I feel like that person is someone people want to be around which is good and maybe that will change if I stick with phase one you know isn't this fun isn't this a fun game to think about and talk about oh god it's hard um you know when I was a kid I feel like South Philadelphia is giving you every single noise you could ever possibly hope for it's because my window's open please hold sorry for all the the visceral sounds of Philadelphia coming your way that entire time. What was I saying? Oh, when I was a kid, my parents were divorced ever since I can remember. And for the longest time, I would, you know, join custody, shared custody. I would spend my summers uh, every other Thanksgiving and Christmas with my dad. And the rest of the year, I would spend with my mother. That was the agreement. 
I never really thought too much about it, although right now it does seem a little uneven, but like I was a child, so it was not my not my responsibility. Both of my parents remarried. I very much love, respect my stepdad, who I've known since I was two. I do not have similar feelings for my stepmother. And it's not because like all the stepmothers in the storybooks you're supposed to hate, it's because she's a stone cold bitch. <laughs> And I, and I have, I am 98% cert, certain that she will not hear this, nor will my father. But if they do, I don't care. Up until Alan died, it was the biggest source of contention in my life. And I was so stupid to let it be such a problem for me. And let it shaped me as a person in a way that I just was foolish. Anyway, as a kid growing up, my stepmother was not kind to me. I don't need to go into detail, but um, she was pretty verbally abusive, emotionally abusive. She would say things to me all the time about my weight or, you know, the level at which I was loved by any given family member. A lot of shit. And my dad, who I love more than anything in the world, I did and, and do on some level. I don't even know what that is, but he's a coward and never stood up for me. I don't know what he was afraid of, but... That's not my problem. Anyway, it was really hard growing up in that family once he remarried because my dad and I were like, you know, thick as thieves and then she comes along and there's a lot of other stuff there that I won't get into. But anyway, she said some stuff to me every summer. I would, and I, at one point I just like, real, she said one thing and it sent me over the edge. I was, you know, in my teens and I had enough self-respect to understand that this was not something that somebody says to someone they're supposed to love. And I left and I told my parents, my parents being my stepdad and my mom, what was going on. And um, they told me later that they were like watching me like a hawk for the rest of the year because of the things that I had said to them. It was like, well, no adolescent who hears these things and internalizes them is going to be healthy. <laughs> so let's make sure she's not upstairs like doing drugs or like cutting herself or whatever. Cause like there's shit that could easily go down when people are told that they are not lovable. So they were like on me, watching me, like being like, okay, making sure that, you know, I'm not being like, all right, I'll see you later. And then like, you know, riding a motorcycle, just kidding. That's not, that's not what I mean. You know what I mean? But they were like, you were fine. <laughs> they were like, you just were like, and like found your friends and like didn't do drugs and like, dr like whatever you did, like you would go in hot tubs and like, yeah, I was drinking with friends, but like, it was so tame. I didn't do, I was a really simple <laughs> teenager um I did like scavenger hunts that ended up at like banks like it wasn't <laughs> anyway they were like you were fine like there was nothing we were we were not worried about you and in my head when they when they told me that I was always like why was I fine and should I have not been I mean that's a stupid question like of course I don't want to be depressed I don't want to be I don't think it's funny or cute to glorify anybody who actually does have those dark demons inside of them. I don't think that's, I'm not saying that, but I do wonder like, why can't I, why didn't I sit in my room by myself moody and brooding until my parents came and checked on me? Like, why didn't I internalize it? Why did I let phase one go by 
when people were really looking out for me. And now that I'm on my own at 32, living my own life, when people have sort of been like, right, she's an adult, she can handle herself. Like now I feel like I, <laughs> it's all catching up to me. It feels like all that stuff is hitting me in the back of the head. And now I just sort of like have these really, really dark days. And, and the time that people were checking up on me has um, expired. Sometimes it does feel that way. And that, and again, I'm not blaming anybody. It's hard. And, and you're not saying that I am. I just, it, I internalized it in the weirdest way, in a way that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't like, it's not a way that I'm like, please, it, it's, it's small. There are these small moments, you know, if Alan was quiet for more than like three minutes when we were sitting together, I would literally ask him if he was mad at me. He would be like, are you kidding me? I'm just like not talking. And I'd be like, yeah, but you're upset, I can tell. And he's like, I'm literally not, but I'm going to be if you keep asking me, right? That came from my stepmother who would not speak to me if she was mad that I didn't like put the apple juice in the right spot in the fridge. She wouldn't talk to me for days until I asked her what was wrong. I was 11. So like, that's a problem, right? And that has, that has become, that's in my bones, right? And it's really hard for me as an adult when I have friends of mine who are wonderful and then also some friends of mine who are passive aggressive little dicks it's hard for me to see what's right and real in a situation to see what's the truth or what's me freaking out because I'm so afraid I'm gonna lose this person because they're not talking to me and why does it matter you know so there's that shit that shit is real that shit is trauma-based and like me growing up in a traumatic environment it didn't materialize in pills or drinking problem or whatever. Stop laughing. People who know me, they, they like to drink. It's not a problem. It's a solution. <laughs> Just kidding. It didn't manifest in those like really dark lifetime movie ways. It manifests itself in the way that I like conduct my life and how I can like be really neurotic and crazy. And like, this is, a, this is an example. My sister sent a Snapchat to me today bragging about my stepdad who is doing this amazing he has this like lecture every fall for prospective students and it like sells I mean people are obsessed because he's so brilliant and he sent an email to my mother and my sister about that it's taking place in a really big auditorium this year I didn't get that email why why didn't I get that email is it because you don't think I care is it because you don't want to bother me with it is it because you just didn't think of me? Any, I, I hate all three of those reasons. Is it because I have a real problem expressing my emotions in a positive way to somebody? Like, especially when it comes to my family, like telling my family I'm proud of them is not something that I do. I'm trying to do it more. I, I close down and I'm shut off. I'm, I'm shut off. It's because my dad didn't like to hug me. Like, it's literally these things, right? But it's not, it's not dark. It's just Janine. And I'm, I'm afraid it might be worse. I'm afraid it might have turned into the sense of self that I am that is hard to, um, it's, I tease people a lot. I can be a little, I can be, I can be mean. Like, did it do too much damage? This isn't really what I wanted to talk about or what I was attempting to talk about, but here we are. Because it affects me as a person now, right? Like, post-grieving Janine is really doing a lot of analyzing and, and meta work and, like, all this stuff. Meta work? 
Ladies and gentlemen, the new character in Smash Bros. Meta work. <laughs> I just mean that I'm trying to be a better person because that's what people do when other people die. Like, I'm trying to be a better person. But I'm really just trying to understand who I am now that Alan's not here and who that was anyway. Phase two is is whatever I want it to be, I guess. I guess it's just me saying that, like, I don't go to the dark place naturally. That's not my natural given instinct to retreat inside of myself. My instinct is to talk out loud. I've always been that way. And I wonder why. And I wonder if it's not just some sort of Janine thing, if it's more like... If it's, I don't, I don't know what the connection is between being pretty traumatized as a child into sort of becoming this adolescent, becoming this young woman, working through all of that, finding a man who loved her with his own complicated issues, and then that person died. And now I feel like a Janine that, like, was never supposed to be made. Like, Janine 3.0 that's like, well, we never thought we'd get here, but look what she can do. Her forehead opens up and can be a drawer. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know who this person is, but I'm learning. And if part of that means that I have to fight against all my better judgment to ask people to like, take care of me when I need someone to take care of me, I just hope that I have the guts to do it instead of just asking if you're mad at me, if you're quiet, you know, this was a hodgepodge of thoughts. I'm not sorry, but I, uh, I do wonder if you are mad at me for putting you through this episode. I guess my main point of this week is that self-care, or not even self-care, but self-analysis and the deep dive is not a bad thing. And there's nothing wrong with trying to figure out why you are the way you are. No matter what's happened to you. I don't know why I was so afraid to do that. I always think I was just very defensive because I think if people ask me to wonder why I was the way I was, it was because something about me wasn't right or wasn't clicking when I would be super teasy or say something mean. Like my stepdad, the psychologist, would say like, you know, why do you think you are that way? And I'm like, I'm not, I don't know, just because I am. Because like I'm awesome and everyone thinks I'm awesome and just like ask everyone like, what the fuck? Bye. <laughs> okay. Doing work on yourself does not mean you're not good or right or normal or healthy or anything. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you are. And to get to know yourself on that level and to try and figure out why you are the way you are isn't a bad thing. It's a really good thing because then you can be a you can be a more knowledgeable, educated human being for other people. What a bummer that I'm figuring this out before I can, like, give some, like, give that to Alan. Like, why, Alan was always trying to figure out why I was the way I was and why he was the way he was. And we just let our own humanity get in the way of that. We're afraid that that means we're not up to snuff. And we are. We're just all a little damaged in our own way. And just because you're not clinically depressed or you're not on medication does not mean you're not also going through something and that you're not in the deep dark thoughts we're all messy we're all piles of garbage (laughs) 
And before this becomes like the intro to a Grey's Anatomy episode or some, you know, teen TV show on the CW, like it, it really is true though. Like none of us are perfect. And so instead of trying to be, why don't we just find out why we are the way we are? Because then we can really, we can really unlock our full fucking potential. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk, I guess. Is that what podcasts are? Just glorified fucking TED Talks. And by glorified, I mean like lazy. <laughs> anyway. Uh. Okay, what do I like this week? I have an essential oils diffuser that I hate saying out loud because it makes me sound pretentious. But Alan's cousin... Christine, who's a national treasure, got it for me, and it is amazing. It has all these amazing lavender, eucalyptus, sage, all these scents that I'm just, like, super about. De-stresses me. makes me feel good. I'm into it. I also like Blue Moon, the beer. Also something I'm super into right now. <laughs> oh, I got my hair cut. This is not anything. This is just also news about me. This is nothing. Oh, the new Joker trailer is out. I feel some type of way about it. I love Joaquin Phoenix. I feel like we're done with Joker movies, but this one looks a little different, so I'm excited about that. And duh, Avengers. And if you haven't seen Us by Jordan Peele, get out and see it. Do you see? So what I did was, um, so Jordan Peele directed a movie first. I'm just kidding. Tell someone you love them and go get some tacos. Yeah. <laughs>